can of Coke, put your elbows on the counter, and take a bite of that greasy, cheesy slice and style. You're listening to a brand new episode of Dollar Slice Podcast, 61 Indies conversational podcast where we just talk with friends about whatever we're into and just have a great old time. I'm Kyle Stevens, and I'm your host today at Mr. K-Step. Uh, Mike and Kelsey are not with us today, but that's okay because we have a wonderful guest, which we'll get to in a second. But thank you to everyone who hung out for our uh, um, Palestine charity event on Saturday. We raised $347 for the PCRF, which is amazing. Thank you all for coming out there. Um, just a couple other housekeeping things. This Saturday, we're doing a live recording of IndieCast over on twitch.tv slash 61indie. Uh, we'll be talking about Ariel Knight's Never Yield and a bunch of other indies that we're playing. Um, Tuesday and Thursday, we'll be back streaming here on Twitch. I'll continue my first playthrough of Resident Evil to remake um will i also get another panic attack who knows maybe i don't know mr x is scary uh but enough of that you're here to for our guest our guest is the one and only islam debaye how you doing islam i'm doing great what a, what a great intro kyle that was, thank you uh, all off the top of my head too that was pretty Oh, that was fantastic. super special. I was sitting there listening, forgot, oh, I'm on this podcast, I'm not just listening to it. Yeah, oh, that's always my big issue when I guess on a show. Is I, there, there's always a moment where I, I have to click on, it's like, oh no, you have to actively interact or else this is not a show. <laughs> you can't just sit there and listen the whole time. But how are you? Yeah, I'm doing, I'm doing great. Sure. You know, the sun is shining for once in Denmark, yeah. it's not... Overcast or raining, so I'm wearing the t-shirt today, so it's it's good. Yeah, like a lot of natural light looks like it's coming into your room. Like it looks like a beautiful oh, yeah, day. Oh, it's all natural light, and right now the sun is like, uh, yeah, on this side. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I sit right by the window, so the sun is like in my face. But I do have curtains and stuff, so I won't get blinded. Hopefully. Sure. Yeah. Uh, around like seven, like cause yeah, it's like six p.m. now. Around seven eight, that's when I start to get blinded. That's when I just. <laughs> move away sure okay i'll come back when the sun's down yeah um let's let's start off with uh where are you from islam because that's something that uh you're i think you're for our furthest guest we've ever had i'm trying to remember where where the um bonte avon team is from i think they're i i think they're also from your neck of the woods over there in europe oh yeah i'm from denmark uh, born and raised uh I'm uh, ethnically a Palestinian, but I'm born and raised in Denmark. Um, so yeah, I've been here 30 years. Nice. <laughs> same city, same everything. <laughs> uh, never actually moved. <laughs> what, what did, I mean, since, since you've been there all your, your life, it, this might be a weird question, but uh, yeah. what, is, what is Denmark like compared to like other places like you see like in, in either me- media or places you've traveled on vacation or whatnot? Oh, that's, uh, I, I think one thing, with Denmark specifically, that's very much different from other countries is the fact that uh, we kind of have that the tendency to, we, we have this thing where you cannot look down on someone based on like their profession, for example. So it's like, I'm not saying classicism doesn't exist in Denmark, mm-hmm. it most, most definitely does, but we do have a tendency to look at people and like value them in how in the society like society wouldn't run uh, without teachers society wouldn't run without uh, garbage collectors society wouldn't run without doctors and so on and so forth so i think like that's a very danish thing uh, 
Yeah, I think that was like the most Danish thing I could think of. The other one is like, whoa, beer drinkers. Uh, <laughs> Danes love to drink beer. Like, sure. It's almost an issue. Like, it's like it's kind of a problem. We do have a bit of an alcohol problem. Sure. Like, uh, if people have watched the movie and not around, that's basically all you need to know about Denmark. Uh, that's very much, that's a document. I watched that as a documentary. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Uh, it, it's nice to hear like that Denmark uh, places they value people in whatever occupation it is because yeah, everyone is needed. And as a, a teacher here in the, in the States, I feel like we are not as valued as we should be. And so it's, it's nice to hear that other countries are getting it right. And especially like, not really like, at least from, from the outside looking in um, and hearing you talk about it, like it doesn't seem like people are looking down on, on, certain jobs like you said like sanitation workers like garbage truck people yeah. like they're needed so like it someone has to do it and, and it is valued which is awesome yeah i feel like I mean, that's like something i really love about denmark honestly is the fact that people are respected regardless um but yeah even like you were saying like teachers they are unvalued in america for example i remember looking at the salary for an American teacher, and mm -hmm. I was kind of shocked, honestly, at how low it is compared to to the Danish one. Yeah, like because in America, like you make like you're not like rich by being a teacher, right? Sure. But I remember there was this principal one that told me, like back when I was studying to be a teacher myself, and this principal told me, "Hey, just so you know, like you have to respect this job because sure, teachers unpaid super much. You're still like." in the lowest end of the best paid jobs in Denmark, mm -hmm. which is not like, uh, still like better than most countries. Yeah. I remember even speaking to some of our friends from over from Britain who were like surprised at how much a Danish teacher makes compared to like a British teacher, for example. So I don't think that's like a European thing. Maybe it's like a Scandinavian thing more than anything. Because mm -hmm. yeah, <laughs> which I'm happy, of course, because yeah. whenever I can land a job again, because right now we're in between jobs. So a lot of content uh, creation going on in between. <laughs> I feel you <laughs> there. Like, yeah, I haven't. <laughs> I haven't. Like you know? Yeah, I haven't subbed in a, a school in. Uh, I, I subbed one. I went in one day in September, the, during the pandemic when it was still very high. Where our school district that I sub in was still getting positive cases like almost every day. And I went in and they didn't have me in a classroom. I was doing clerical work and I was just like, well, this is a waste of my time. I'm having an anxiety attack because I'm not comfortable around people since it's been months since I was around them. And I, yeah. I, I didn't go back. Um, I'm also like in that weird mode of like, so I want to continue on this teaching journey. It's been a decade plus of me not having my own classroom. Like I'm, I need to, I need a job with benefits. That'd be great. I would love that. Um, but yeah, I it's up in the air. But uh, I, w I want to talk to you yeah. about your your teaching journey. Um, what what is your area of uh, expertise? What what uh, what area of teaching do you do? So I teach uh, English, uh, social science, and history. Oh, nice! And a bit of like IT as well. I kind nice. of stumbled upon that, <laughs> so I ended up teaching a bunch of uh, doc workers basically how to use Word and stuff. Oh, okay. Uh, which was weird. No, not dog workers, sorry. Um, factory workers. Thanks, your journey gotcha. with the clutch saver. <laughs> uh, factory workers, how to use, uh, yeah, IT, how to use Word, how to make an email address. It was like at that nice. level almost. Okay. Uh, so, yeah, 
I taught a bit there as well. But no, my teaching training actually started uh, with me studying history at the University uh, of Southern Denmark originally. And I studied there for a couple of years um, until I kind of realized, hmm, maybe this isn't what I want to do. And I was like doing a minor in uh, film and media studies. And the film and media stuff was great. Like I, I had tons of fun, especially film history, going through like all the classics and, and analyzing them. But I think at one point I just stopped and thought to myself, like, can I see myself with a job doing this? Cause like, mm -hmm. it's a great hobby, but it's like job material. And I kind of got scared, honestly. It was like, I was like filled with anxiety, not knowing if I had a future doing what I wanted. And I was like, the reason why I started studying history is because I wanted to teach at the uh, gymnasium level, as it's called in Denmark, which is right before university. Mm -hmm. We have this thing right before university. It's kind of high school, but not really. It's okay. like a mix of college, high school, if you can imagine that. Um, if you've watched uh, another round, I keep referring to it. It's, <laughs> it's on my list. I'm like, going to write that down so I can watch it. Okay, write that down. But like, um, remember if you watch the movie, uh, the teachers that they teach at gymnasium level. Um, so I decided to stop and go through like the teacher's education instead, which is, which is like the public schools. or uh, Yeah. So my area of expertise is fixed to uh, 10th grade, which is from, yeah, up to 17 year olds, mm -hmm. year olds, basically. So those are like, like teenagers mostly is what I teach. Uh, so right now, yeah, I'm in between jobs, uh, hopefully, cause you know, COVID, yeah. <laughs> the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, and it's been so bad, like even my unemployment checks have been more like, hey, cause the way it works here is, uh, my unemployment insurance that I pay to, uh, they usually have like two years of uh, unemployment pay. Mm -hmm. And if you don't get that, then you have to go and uh, apply for more, for example, or try like something else. But they've given me like almost four or five months extra because they know that, hey, the pandemic, we know that there aren't any jobs right now. And it's yeah. difficult. So, yeah, I just applied for like four or five jobs this week. So hopefully Sweet. one of them, but yeah. Yeah. What do you love about working with that, uh, that age range? Cause I know they can be tough cause they're teens. I, I, I Oh, no. it's because it's tough. Yeah. Okay. So you like the challenge. I like the challenge. I think teenagers are freaking hilarious. I think they're legitimately funny. I always want to say creatures. Cause that like, that's all no. how I view teenagers. That's a great way to, so yeah. Yeah, because they're so weird and they're so hung up on these like weird social pressure that they've created for themselves. And you know it, I know it. I'm sure everybody lis uh, listening in can kind of nod and, and be like, oh yeah, I was like that when I was a teenager as well. I, I put so much pressure on myself for no reason at all. I also feel like teenagers specifically really want to engage in a conversation as well. Uh, even though like they can be tough to reach through, they, they yeah. are interested in the conversation, especially when you're doing something like social sciences, for example. And like, I taught a class of uh, 15, 15, 16, no, no, 15 year olds, sorry, 15 year olds, like social sciences, uh, science, and we're doing, we were doing gender studies, basically. That was interesting, because you have the, like these uh, tough, macho uh, 16 year olds, you know the type. Yeah, you know the I type. know. And, and you're teaching them gender studies, and it's so hilarious, because you realize like a lot of them want to learn more, though, like my, my, many of them didn't know what a a transgendered person was, for example. Mm -hmm. Some of them had like weirdly homophobic views, but not really because they weren't actually trying to be homophobic. They just didn't understand 
what it meant to be gay, for example. And for me, having that conversation and reaching to students and let them like expand their horizon is very much what I enjoy most about teaching, honestly. Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, that's that's one of my favorite things to do is taking a, a student like I'm more elementary based, so the youngins. Yeah. So seeing these young kids and say something that they obviously don't know is wrong or, or act yeah. in a way where it's like, especially with the, with, with the, with the boys where they're, you know, like you said, macho, not afraid, to, like afraid yeah. to cry, afraid to show emotion. Like, listen, showing emotion is fine. Like that, that yeah. be a human being. Don't be a robot that is, is only like macho, angry, you know, boastful, like actually show some emotion, yeah. show empathy. That that's a, that's a huge thing. Um, do you have any like moments as, as you're teaching these these teens that stand out to you as, as like your favorite interaction with the student? Favorite interaction, hmm. Like a I memory of like, like yes, yeah, anything, anything. Yeah. So let's just like take it back to as I was saying about the student who with the gender studies. And this kid, I, I laughed so much and I had to like, hey, that's not okay. But, but this kid, he, and we were teaching gender, uh, we were talking about like being uh, transgender and stuff. And I usually have this technique where I put, uh, where I have like four chairs out by the blackboard mm-hmm. and then I say, okay, now we have, a, uh, we're going to have a discussion point. Those four that are sitting by the blackboard are the only one allowed to speak. So if someone wants to speak, you go up and you like point towards to who, which spot you want to take and then you switch and th- and sometimes i'll go and say okay now kyle you go take mike's seat or whatever gotcha so yeah switch around them and then the, one of the questions i asked because i wanted to see like okay where are they at regarding like being a, a, tra- a, tra- a trans person for example so i said okay should is it uh, should we allow people to change their genders or like being trans in denmark we do allow it, by the way, but it was like a, mm-hmm. an open question. And this one kid, he went on this weird rant where he was like, okay, uh, no. I said, okay, explain why. And he said, okay, if I change my gender, I'll be a woman. I'll be like, yeah, probably, yeah. Mm-hmm. He was like, and if I'm a woman, that means I'm a lesbian. I'm like, sure, if you're attracted to women. And he looked at me, yeah, that's disgusting. I don't want to be a lesbian. <laughs> He didn't mind being a woman, just not gay. <laughs> oh <laughs> my god! Like, I had to turn around for a bit and just like hold back my laughter and be like, yeah. "Okay, let's unpack this for a bit." Yeah, what's the issue here exactly? Yeah, but like that moment, I'll always remember just because uh, that, that that kid was smart though, and he did realize like, okay, I can see that was kind of wrong what I said. And sure. Later on, we were actually like discussed it, but that moment, I I was like. Wow, that is legit the hardest thing as a teacher when you you yeah. know you're supposed to uh, keep keep them in control and you know hand out um, what's the word I'm looking for like crack down on, on not accepted behavior and whatnot. But every once yeah. in a while, there there is a, a gem that comes out of their mouth that you really have to try so hard 
to not yeah. laugh in front of everybody because then you lose the whole room. Like there, there yeah, was, was a jam for me. Yeah, there was an example. Uh, I think it was second grade, first or second grade. They were passing notes to each other while I was trying to teach like a math lesson or whatever. I was like, "All right, come on, hand me the note. Let me let me read it." And expecting it like they're talking smack about other students or whatever. But it was literally they were just writing the lyrics to Drake's Hotline Bling back and forth to each other. <laughs> And I was like, whoa. That's so funny. Okay. Listen, no notes, but like, all right, I get it. Oh, man. Let so me join in. Exactly. Yeah. Um, what is what is a typical day in a, in a Denmark school? Like, I could, for, for example, like in, in my school district, they the kids show up at like eight in the morning and then they're out by like, 2.30 ish is that like a same that's the same here yeah, yeah. like uh, eight o'clock is uh, is when the kids meet and well depending on the school actually they can be there up until like 3 30 actually mm. we have like an hour extra even uh, yeah school does can be pretty long especially because like they introduced uh, like the whole day school as they called it a few years back in the Danish school system where they like had to be there up until like 3.30, I feel like is, I mean, is like the last mm-hmm. uh, and that, that's, that, that can be an issue. Honestly, I'm very much against it personally. Cause I realized whenever I teach, uh, whenever I taught like kids at like the last, uh, like the, the last leg of the day, they would be so exhausted. Like, oh yeah. Couldn't partake in anything. So I usually know, uh, knew like, okay, we'll do some, like some simple grammar stuff or something. There. Sure. Like something easy where we just like get it moving and we'll pick it. We'll, we'll get the heavy stuff in the morning. Yeah. Teaching in the morning is the best. Uh, Cause you know, the kids are ready. They're energetic. They're ready to go. Yeah. At the end of the day, they're like half asleep. You're half asleep. I'm on my fifth cup of coffee. And we're like, <laughs> oh, I just want to go home now. Yeah. There's like a mutual understanding unspoken. Yeah. Like we, well, let's just get exactly. through it. You don't say it to the students, of course. You never tell them. Exactly. Like, I don't want to be here. Yeah. Uh huh. Um, that's awesome. Um, but Islam, I want to ask you, and so everyone else kind of knows. Uh, how do we, how do we know each other? I mean, we're you're halfway across the world. How? how do, oh yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, so we we met because of the uh, the kind of funny community in the Facebook group, and we were both admins on the team for a little bit. Um. Very, uh, very hard work. <laughs> very, <Yeah. laughs> very not rewarding in, 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 I mean, rewarding in some ways, but not like, not outward facing. Like no one is just like, Hey, you guys, thanks for what you do. The biggest, the biggest reward of uh, being an admin is like, I've made so many friends because of it. Yeah. I feel like that's the biggest reward of being an admin. Absolutely. Yeah. It's like, cause like, yeah, I've met you. I met Mike, Kelsey. Uh, I've met like close friends because of being an admin. I feel like that's something I'll never take for granted. Yeah, sure. It can be tough, especially because especially if you're living in the American time zone, I realize because being a European admin is a bit more simple. Sure. You kind of wake up and maybe somebody writes something they shouldn't do, or maybe somebody's being an asshole and you're like, okay, I'll handle it quickly. Yeah. But uh, as soon as, because most of the group are American as well, like uh, the demographic skews uh, mm-hmm. North American mostly. So you can tell that's when people wake up and that's uh, when drama happens. Sometimes. Yeah. Sometimes. Yeah. 
but not all the time. Yeah, not all. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but while we were were admitting uh, another admin that we we worked together, uh, Jeff, uh, we wanted to do some uh, Dungeons and Dragons, and so that's that's where like playing. I think we played maybe three or four times, but that that's when I, I, I think it was more though. Was it? It doesn't feel like yeah. it was more. Um, but yeah, that's, that's when we, we got a little bit more of just like talking through text or whatever. And yeah. even though it was an in character, like I, yeah, I like freaking adore you as I'm from those days. Like that is my God. I loved being your, your big brute lackey to your very smart wizard. It was fantastic. <laughs> it was a good time. Uh, it was so fun. Jeff, like shout out to Jeff. Jeff's amazing. A good at like, I actually stole a few, few of his ideas that he used there. Yeah. Cause usually when I play the IDM myself, Oh yeah. Okay. Um, I'm not usually the player. Oh, I was a player in a group, but I'm usually the DM. So yeah, I was like taking notes. See, okay, anything here I can steal from him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Great DM. Well, like it was a ton of fun. But I just remember like there was a lot going on in my life oh, yeah. at that point. I yeah. had to be like, yeah. Sadly though, because I did have fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, I did. Sorry. I'm drinking tea right now, so yeah. <laughs> So if I'm, I'm suddenly like burping, it's, it's not me trying to be rude. <laughs> what, uh, what's your favorite part of DMing a D&D game? My favorite part of DMing a D&D game is when I'm actually not DMing, if that makes sense. Okay. Uh, it's like when the players take so much control of the story, you know you've done something well. You know you, you've given them just enough to work with that you barely have to do anything. And suddenly you're sitting back and you're trying this weird show that you, yeah. you've directed. For. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's the my most favorite part of DMing. It's that moment where they're just, like, the players are just role-playing uh, with, with each other. That's so much fun to me. Yeah. It, yeah. It, it, goes, it goes from people like being <clears throat> being awkward and finding their character voice, yeah. and then there's that, that moment where it clicks, and like, yeah, no, you are that character, and they're interacting with each other, and they're you can like see the outline of, of like whatever tavern yeah. you're in or dungeon. Like, yeah, that's super fun. Exactly. Yeah. I love that. That's like, what's yours? Like, D, like not that just D and D. What's your favorite thing? Of My favorite thing is being, I'm a very visual person. So like yeah. I, uh, when I'm watching like critical role, for example, when I watch that, it mm. is so visually interesting in my brain. Like I love imagining, what their characters look like, what the battle looks like, the spells and everything. It just, and, and really just falling in love with how great people are at creating the story off the top of their head. Mm. And that's, uh, that's why one of the main reasons why I wanted to play is so I can get better at that. Cause I'm not very good, like on the fly improv type of thing, but D and D you really do have to be on it. And, and, you know, understand the, the flow of conversation and be able to pop in and think on the fly. Like it's incredible. One thing I've done to make sure my players have an easier time, like embodying their character is that I ha- I've made this like big as document. And in the documents, I ask a lot of questions about the character specifically. So of course the first uh, questions are like, um, yeah, what, what race are you playing? Okay, why are you playing that race? Okay, which class are you playing? How did your character end up being a barbarian or a fighter or whatever? And why the subclass then? And then afterwards, there's questions like, what's your character's favorite meal or dish? Because then you have to like figure out, okay, what does my character like to eat? What does yeah. my character like to drink? Uh, does your character have any fears? Uh, what does your character enjoy? 
And mostly I actually used it to help the players get more into the, the character because I felt like that helps a lot because then you can sit back and go, oh yeah, I have this, this, and that. And even make them, okay, do I have any family, friends? Like, do you have a rival perhaps out there in the world? Because that also mm-hmm. gives me ample opportunity of like introducing characters uh, into the game. Like I had in my previous group, I had a player who was this fighter who wanted to, it was almost like an anime inspired thing. He was like, he played the samurai subclass and he wanted to, he was like, okay, uh, my goal, oh yeah, that's the thing. And then you have to write down uh, three goals. One is like an immediate goal that is like right around the corner. One is like a mid, uh, uh, yeah, midterm goal. And the last one is like, okay, how do I see my character story at the end of the campaign? Mm. So his was like at the end of the campaign was, hey, I have, uh, I have created, uh, founded my own town, which is like a free place for free people. And his short term goals was uh, finding his sister, mm-hmm. who was this like, uh, ba- uh, basically evil. Uh, she was basically evil. She's tormented people. And so he wanted to stop her, not kill her, stop her. Mm-hmm. And his term goal was getting these, uh, these seven mystical swords, basically. Uh, Ooh, and with yeah. the swords, he would like be able to prove to people that he was this fantastic fighter, samurai. Nice. Character. So yeah, that's something like I like I love to use. That uh, I've put and choose like things from different D&D source books and made that document. Uh, so it's not all like my ideas, but uh, having it together is my idea. Like I, I always tell my players, go through this document, read everything, then you can write what is your character. That's uh, awesome. Which may... Yeah, which made my team very invested in the story, like the world I created, way more than I anticipated. Yeah, because they were discussing like the ethics of using magic and wow. shit. And I was like, okay, I just, I just want to roll dice now. <laughs> <laughs> How long have you been playing D anD D? Like, at what age did you start? Oh. Four years. Oh, okay. it's like new. Wow. All right. New. Yeah. But I always wanted to play. That was the thing. I've always wanted to play. But I do think in Denmark the problem would was it's not that that problem isn't prevalent uh, anymore but i think the problem uh, was that uh, D is in english so kids mm. for example might have a tougher time because english is the first, like, the first language that being said like every day knows english almost like mm-hmm. almost every day knows english in denmark like if you come to denmark you'll have no problem you just speak english with everyone everyone will understand you because uh, it's very important that we teach english in school uh, that being said like Understanding English on a conversational level doesn't translate well sometimes to role-playing because sure. it can be dense sometimes. Oh, yeah. Like reading, yeah, reading the player's handbook on its own is dense. And I've read that and the Dungeon Master's Guide <laughs> and flipped through the Master Manual from top to bottom. So. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I'm, I'm with you. Even as a, a native English speaker, I have to reread things a million times when I'm playing D and D because, like, wait, yeah. how many dice do I roll and in what situation? And I add based on what modifier like it's a it's very it's a lot and how do, and how do you calculate your spell save dc again so it's plus my yeah. proficiency plus it's my- a lot <laughs> yeah it's a lot yeah 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 um yeah dungeons and dragons is awesome i i fully yeah. i fully uh because i'm right around with you it's been around four years haven't played nearly as much as i think you have but i 
fell in hard with Critical Role. That is like every week I watch live, and that is thanks to um, the kind of funny crew having them on for that Game Over Greggy episode, and that's where I, I oh, discovered yeah, that was them. My introduction as <laughs> yeah, well, actually, <laughs> and I'm, I'm like, wow, this is cool. Like I've always heard about Dungeons and Dragons, but it's a very stereotypical like, oh, it's the nerdy kids in the library in the in the corner like LARPing as they play. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, I fell in love with those characters. I was like, oh, there's a new campaign, the second one. Like, oh, I'll, I'll hop in and watch live and see if I dig it. And I have not stopped since. And I've rewatched all of campaign one. It's so good. It's long. It's the episode's long. Yeah. But it's it's so worth it. Anyone that loves video that's games good. and RPGs, like, watch it or listen to it. Like, it's fantastic. Yeah, that's actually... Uh, I'm so annoyed because I'm like, I'm so behind on campaign two right now. Yeah. I'm in like an episode 101 or something. Yeah. And just thinking about like the amount of content I have to like catch up on, just I, I just get exhausted. But I'm like, oh, one day, one day I'll catch up and finish it. Because like I have an idea what's going on in the story. Obviously, I'll not like talk story beats here sure. in case somebody wants to watch it. But I have ideas like of who has returned as who maybe and all of that. Because yeah, because I'm. I'm search so many like D&D things and stuff. So even when I'm like on Instagram, for example, I'm going for the discovery page, I'll see things like, um, yeah, I'll see a fan art and be like, oh, what's that? And then I click and then I get spoiled and be like, uh-huh. oh, I really need to watch this. This, this, <laughs> this sounds cool. Yeah. But it's ending campaign two. Yeah, two, right? I'm a little, I'm a little yeah. bummed. Um, I think, I think Matthew Mercer, the DM for Critical Role said, yeah. um, that this is the fu- this is ending the campaign. This arc it will end it, and uh, yeah. I'm a little sad because I love these characters so much, and I know there's so many other things that they can go on and do, so many loose threads. But I get it. Like if they're not if they're not into con- like because again without spoiling it, what they're doing now feels like the end of a gigantic video game yeah. epic storyline. So I, it makes sense. It's just like I love Ford, I love Jester, I love Caduceus, like Bo. No, yeah, no love for my boy Caleb. Oh no, I love Caleb too. I love and just like <laughs> when I go, I, 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 I mean, I love Laura Bailey's role playing. So like when I think of yeah. Critical Role, like that's the first one I go to. But yeah, Caleb's awesome. I love his emo, very dark <laughs> character. Yeah, I think he's like he's great because. He's like almost funny, but not quite. Yes. I think that's what what I love about him the most. Like he's almost like this comic relief character, but he really isn't. Yeah, I think that's for me. Yeah, because he's like the, the the smart hobo. It's fantastic. yeah, like it, it's fantastic. I saw a highlight. I, I forgot what episode it was, but he was trying to talk like everyone else in the cast as Caleb. Yeah, one of my favorite moments of him trying to talk like Jester <laughs> and Ford and whatnot. Like it's so good. For me, though, uh, one thing I like, because they've been expanding uh, to a lot of different media. I don't know if you've seen, but they have like the critical, uh, the, the Vox Machina Origins comic, mm-hmm. for example. We yeah. go through the origins of the Vox Machina group. Like that. I've read the first one and half of the second one, I believe. It's really fun stuff. Like, yeah, they're great. Uh, obviously, it's made for fans, but I would say like you can watch it regardless because it is the introduction of these characters. Uh, and I saw that they're doing one for the Mighty Nine as well, actually. Yeah. Um, for a free comic book day that's coming out mm-hmm. and there's the amazon show uh, which is gonna yeah which is coming and uh, they already got like two seasons i believe oh uh, i didn't know about right? the second season they, but that's 
I believe that the Amazon bought like two seasons of this show. That's exciting. They really believe in the project, I guess. So yeah, it's gonna be exciting to see what form that's gonna take then. Because originally they said they were gonna do the one of the storylines from Henry yeah the Briarwood arc. Do, I think yeah, which is like the most popular one. Mm-hmm. Uh, and it seems like they're gonna do more. I guess they're gonna add to it. Which sounds fun. Sounds cool. And they did say they're gonna change the story, but just so it makes more sense in a in a narrative sense, like absolutely. The show. And I really wish though that what my one wish for them to do though. This is like my, my one wish. I want them to to take campaign two now that it's finished. I want them to take campaign two, yeah, and then find some like uh, indie developer that do that does like turn based. Thank you. Or something. Thank you. And do like uh, a throwback to like the old Final Fantasy game, oh, Final Fantasy yes. VI or something. But yes, in with the Mighty Nine because it's basically Final Fantasy. Like the way that the story is structured and mm-hmm. all that. It's basically Final Fantasy. Do a turn base. Yes. Uh, and don't do, and yeah, and reason why JRPG style is like, uh, I don't want to make choices. I want to watch these characters do their choices. I just want to play in yeah. that world. Uh, I think that's an important part of, uh, like, an important distinction, because even though it's D&D, it shouldn't be just like D&D that matter. Like, yeah. yeah. Oh my God. That's, that's like yeah. my dream game. I, I would love that. I would play the crap out of that. Absolutely. Same. I would love to play it as a RPG, an old school, like Final Fantasy style RPG with yeah. these characters or even the Vox Machina characters. I don't care. Like, I just, yeah. I want to live in, in that world. And again, visual person, I want to see that in video game form, like the old school pixel yeah. art style. I think that'd be so good. Uh, did I ever tell you my dream uh, VR game that deals with D&D? Uh, it's it's a VR game where basically the players it's a, a D&D campaign but the players put on the headset and you can see you are the character and you can see other people as their characters oh. in, in a VR space and then you have the DM creating the battlefield in VR. So like you can actually oh. do the battles and and encounters inside virtual reality and then you take it off and you can just like you know do all the role playing not in VR. Oh, that's like, so cool. I feel like that's such a that's good so idea, yeah. but I don't yeah. know how it would work. Yeah, no, yeah. I feel like if it had to work, it had to like be something Wizards would work on as well, though. Sure. Because like, uh, like licensing all the things, like if you could do it like, oh, you buy the monster manual pack, then you have access to the monsters that you could throw in and such. I feel like that totally would work. Yeah. Totally would work. Absolutely. But yeah, now like the D&D Renaissance is interesting. Like, for example, right now it's fifth edition D and D. That's uh, mm-hmm. this is the version everyone's playing, and I believe they said like they have no plans at all for sixth edition because this edition is doing so well. There's no reason to yeah. ruin it because they're just doing expansion pack after expansion pack instead. And uh, we have the Baldur's Gate three game coming out soon. Uh, I don't know if you played it, Kyle. I played about an hour and a half. It didn't run well on my on my PC. Ah, uh, yeah. Yeah, because I had like I bought it like yeah, it's in the early access, and I got it for like my first PC as well, and it yeah, it didn't run. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it would run like at thirty FPS, which is fine. Yeah, for a game like that, I don't need it to run at like a hundred FPS. Mm-hmm. But yeah, ever since I upgraded, like I played through it, and oh, it's so good. Like yeah, it's so so. so what good. I what I pl- got so to play was amazing. Uh, I mean, my characters yeah. died, and I was like, oh no, <laughs> that I need yeah. to restart it, but. <laughs> Yeah, it's it seems like uh, a it seems like the that D and D kind of experience that I want 
like so yeah. badly. Because then there's the other experience that's coming out next month, actually. Uh, Dungeons and Dragons Dark Alliance. Oh, yeah. If you heard yeah, about yeah. It. It's coming on to Game Pass as well. So. Oh, sweet. Thank you, Phil Yim Spencer, for all the hard work. <laughs> Phil Yim Spencer, yeah. That's great. Yeah, I insist on calling Phil Yim just because I like it. it's fun. Yeah, I like it. <laughs> but yeah, Dark Alliance, yeah, it's actually technically the third game in the Dark Alliance series because they did have two Dark Alliance games on the PS2. Mm, yeah. That's right. And they were called like Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance uh-huh. and Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance 2. I pl- oh, I played those games to hell and back. So yeah, I've been introduced to the indie before, not just actual indie. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because I've played like TRPGs, I've played so many things, even dabbled in the universe throughout a medium, just not the actual game, which is yeah, that's weird. Soft. <laughs> that just shows like how big D and D is, like uh, how yeah. wide branching and wide reaching it is. Yeah, especially now. Yeah, especially now for yeah. sure. Because like uh, everybody's just. Wants a piece of that D and D pie, and it's great. Like, because also they've made it so accessible now with things like D and D Beyond, for example, that just like does all the work for you, so you don't even have to math. And they just added the die rolls. Yeah. I remember you used to use D and D Beyond when we played, but they didn't add to have die rolls back then. Yeah, they do now, so you can just like roll in the app as well, so you don't have to roll on the yeah. side, and it does all the math for you as well, which that's is great. Cool. Uh, no, yeah. Nothing's better than rolling actual dice, though. Oh yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure, for sure. I don't know where all my dice like hits went, though. Like, I, I have no idea where they went. <laughs> That's a problem. As a DM, I would say like uh, I have done a, uh, a bit of DMing on Roll Twenty, where I just like bought the adventure on Roll Twenty as well. Yeah. Uh, during like lockdown and COVID specifically, I ran a Baldur's Gate descent into Avernus. If you know that adventure, very cool adventure. Pro tip for anyone who wants to run that adventure. Take the first part of the adventure level one to five, throw it out the window, <laughs> create your own like quick, hey, this is what's going on, and just start from level five and do the part where you actually go to hell. Because, yeah, the first part of that adventure is not good. And okay. as soon as you enter hell, it's so hilarious because you're, you're driving around. It's Mad Max in hell. That's oh, how sweet. they sold it. Because as you're driving around these like infernal vehicles, they called, and you're doing like chase sequences oh, and nice. shooting harpoons and stuff. And, it was so much fun. So, so, so much fun. And uh, a certain uh, someone from Critical Role uh, shows up, actually. Oh. Uh, what's his face? Archon the Cruel. Oh. Is in, okay. And it continues, actually, a bit of the plot after Critical Role campaign one, because he stole uh, the hand. Yeah. What's he doing now? You get to figure that out yourself. That's uh, awesome. Because they're like, yeah, they reference it. They're like, after his excursion to the world of Exandria, he stole the hand of Vecna, and now he's here trying to bring Tim back to life. And it's like, oh, that's cool. And it's part of my adventure now. That's so, awesome. Yeah, it ties into that as well. So it's a great adventure. I would say, like, that's an adventure I would recommend people to run because it's not too difficult to run either. Yeah. Very fun. Yeah, that's awesome. Um, trying to think of a good segue, but there is no good segue <laughs> to this. Uh, I, I want to ask you uh, or give you not really uh, asking because um, I, I, I've been doing my own learning a little bit here and there uh, of the Palestinian conflict that's going on right now. So I, w- I want to give you yeah. a, a platform and everyone listening as to, to learn a bit, a little bit about it um, for, for people like me, especially here in the States and, and someone that is, 
in quotes like far away from the conflict even though like we mm. should like we should still be involved with it growing up I, it was something that i i didn't like it, it was just a thing that happened and it was it was yeah. a thing like there's bad on both sides kind of thing at least for mm. the, what we were taught um but now as a, a grown man and seeing it and like oh uh, yeah no there is no two sides here it is it is some evil stuff going on over there on, uh, from the Israel, Israel side of things. So um, yeah. for those that don't know about it, Islam, what is what is going on over there? And and oh, take it away. It take it away, Islam. Where to, where to, <laughs> that's actually a big, big question because we can start what's happening right now. We can start from the beginning and sure. 1980, even before that, actually. So that's this piece of land, historic Palestine. Um Used to belong like uh, in the past two thousand, like not past two thousand years. Sorry, uh, the past hundreds of years, it belonged to the Ottoman Empire. And those were like some of the last people who sat on that piece of land. After World War One, the British colonized uh, uh, Palestine, and it became uh, the British Mandate Palestine. Now, Palestine is a is an area where Arabs, Palestinians lived, and these Palestinians were Muslim, Jewish, and Christian as well. Uh, you have to remember, like, uh, Palestine is like the country where Jesus was born, for mm -hmm. example, in Bethlehem. That's in uh, Palestine. Uh, and in Jerusalem, you will find, like, the grave of Mother Mary, for example. You will find uh, Al Aqsa Mosque, which is the third holiest place in Islam. Uh, and it's like an important place to Jews as well because it's the like ancestral home of the Jewish people, uh, where you have like the Temple of David, for example. Mm -hmm. Just a wall now. <laughs> yeah. So it's an important place. Like that's like just like from a religious perspective, it's an important place for like all, all the three Abrahamic religions. Uh, religions. So let's fast forward a bit. So. Mm -hmm. Only but surely, you see, like a lot of uh, Jewish people started immigrating towards. Uh, historic Palestine. And this immigration uh, is fine. Like, there's nothing wrong with people immigrating. I mean, my family were immigrants. They came to Denmark. I'm son of uh, two immigrants. <laughs> and the issue then becomes like, okay, what happens to this country then? Because the country then gets... Uh, yeah. I'm going to try to find the right words. Okay. So... Yeah, take your time. All right. Yeah, during like uh, then afterwards from World War One and uh, World War One to World War Two, you see like there were more and more Jewish immigrants coming because of the rising anti-Semitism that you've seen like in Europe and even in America for that matter. Mm -hmm. And those like immig again immigrated and they like found lives and houses and stuff and lived there. But at the same time, uh, this is when we start to see the rise of the ideology of Zionism which is this uh, Jewish ideology of coming back to like the country of whence we came, the, two uh, the, the country of the Jewish people from 2000 years ago. Like now we're going to come back and reclaim it. And this is where we see like in 48, after we see like, again, after the horrific acts of the Nazis during World War II, after the horrific Holocaust, uh, that became like the moment of, okay, uh, this is going to be, a Jewish state now, the state of Israel. And they declared it. Now, because of that, that's uh, the, the day that uh, Palestinians called the Nakba, the Nakba or um, catas catastrophe, mm -hmm. if you will. 
That's when 700,000 Palestinians were exiled from Palestine, they were exiled from their homes during the Israeli-Arab war. Because as soon as they announced this is Israel, uh, Jordan and Egypt invaded. And that's like the Israeli-Arab war. Uh, the Arabs lost that war, and then Israel and Palestine was divided up. So far, you can say, okay, uh, oh, and the problem was all the Palestinians that left uh, the Nakba, the exodus of the Palestinians, uh, they could not return. Like, there's no land for them, because the lands have been settled by other people now, uh, by these uh, Jewish Zionist settlers. Now, it's important for me to just, like, preface here before I also continue that, uh, obviously, anti-Semitism is horrific and horrible, and I do not... and I'm sure you can speak with most Palestinians. We do not condone anti-Semitism because it's against our cause. When we don't hate Jewish people, on the contrary, we see a lot of Jewish people agree with me. Even um, this isn't about Jewish versus Muslim versus Christian versus because mm -hmm. they are like Palestinian uh, Jewish people as well. This isn't about that. This is about settler colonialism. Because the thing you see afterwards is from '48 to now. Look at the map of Palestine-Israel, you'll see that Palestine keeps shrinking and Israel keeps growing. Which brings us to what Palestine-Israel looks today. Because Palestine has three areas in uh, the, the land now. You have the West Bank, where you have cities like Ramallah. You have the Gaza Strip, Gazi, as it's known in Arabic, Gazi. And you have Jerusalem, which is in eastern, western Jerusalem. Actually, Jerusalem is uh, divided up into the Muslim quarter, the Christian quarter, the Jewish quarter, and the Armenian quarter as well. It's actually divided up into four quarters. Now, East Jerusalem is where Al-Aqsa Mosque is. Now, Al-Aqsa Mosque, uh, the, significance, the significance of that, that's when the Prophet Muhammad, uh, he... He rose up to the heavens and met with God. That's like the significance of the mm -hmm. Al-Aqsa Mosque. And that's where we got like the five prayers a day from, for example. That's when God told that's what he does. And the way that the story is told is actually like originally God wanted humanity to pray 50 times a day. And that's when the prophet was like, maybe we can... Maybe we, we, maybe maybe we can lower it a little like, bit. <laughs> Let's lower it. Let's say five. <laughs> uh, yeah, there's like this whole like, oh, there was like a bargain almost going on. <laughs> Uh, and that's like the biggest significance of that. I've been there at that mosque. I've, uh, I've prayed at that mosque at that exact mo point where they say that, oh, this is where the prophet rose. Uh, it's actually a closed up area. So it's a very uh, holy area. So these are like the areas there. So right now, the reason why we've been hearing a lot of the, the escalation of violence lately is because that during uh, uh, Ramadan, We've been hearing a lot of this neighborhood called Sheikh Jarrah. Now, Sheikh Jarrah has a neighborhood in eastern Jerusalem, again, the Palestinian side of the of Jerusalem, where there is this uh, family, actually four families, who are about to not get evicted. Uh, the media uses the word evicted a lot. They're being forcefully removed from land that they own. Not just like they don't lease it from, they own it. Mm -hmm. uh, one of these uh, people is uh, this young man. He's like in his early 20s, like he's very young, called uh, Mohammed Al-Kurd, his sister, Mona Al-Kurd, and their family. Uh, settlers have already taken half the house, and they're fighting for the remaining part of the house that they actually live in right now. Now, the way these settlers come, and that's actually the part that I think a lot of people don't understand, like how does that happen? 
which like highlights the big is the big issue of being Palestinian in Israel. So Kyle, I'm going to use you as an example. Yeah. I'm going to go into your home right now, Kyle. I can see your room. I see you have like, the cool uh, Batman poster and yeah. Blu-ray stuff. I'm going to go and sit on that couch right behind you. I'm going to sit there. I'm going to tell you this is my house now. Because 2,000 years ago, my family lived here. This is my house now, Kyle. Uh, I need you to go. You will call the police because you have papers that this is your house. Like You have documents proving mm -hmm. that this is your ground. The police will come and they will be on my side. And they'll kick you out of your own house. That's what's going on right now. Jeez. People are being forcibly removed from their houses because the Jewish police or the Israeli police, like when they see like, oh, you're Palestinian, that's who they like go with. Mm -hmm. not, uh, not, not the Palestinian, they'll, they'll help the Israeli settler. And these settlers come from like uh, Europe and America as well. Like there's this video of this one settler and like he's obviously from brooklyn like you can like i can tell that's a brooklyn accent he's mm -hmm. saying like if you don't take this house uh, i mean if i don't take this house someone else will this is my house if if i don't take it someone else will your house is gone regardless yeah a lot of these like uh, settler companies uh, actually founded like uh, from america sadly where they just like uh, bring people over so that's mm -hmm. like one of the first things that starts to happen is like protests now these are peaceful protests so the way they protested like during Ramadan, so Ramadan, when the sun goes down, that's when you can eat and drink and all that again. Because you're fasting from sunup to sundown. And you have these people like eating outside, uh, uh, like uh, breaking the fast outside of the house as a protest, being like, this is our house, we're going to break the fast outside. But these settlers come and like throw garbage at these people and stones and stuff and the Palestinians, like imagine how you haven't eaten all day yeah. in the heat, mm -hmm. in the Middle Eastern heat. You have the Mexico filter. That's how hard it is. And people start like throwing garbage at you. And then like the Palestinians start retaliating to defend themselves. Like, hey, stop throwing shit at me. And the police, who did it help? The settlers. That's the issue. That's like how it started. Then the big thing that then happened uh, was uh, the Al-Aqsa Mosque. Again, I keep uh, reminding how important this place yeah. is for Muslims. And during like the Friday prayer, they started, uh, the police started a uh, mass like, uh, uh, what's the word? Uh, mass incarcerations of Palestinians. Sorry, mass incarcerations. Mm -hmm. They started going in and fighting Palestinians. They used tear gas, uh, tear gas on them. They use uh, rubberized bullets and rubberized bullets. This sounds so fun. It's not like when you're out doing like paintball or something. Like it's a bullet with yeah. rubber on it. Yeah. It could still kill you. Mm -hmm. And I've seen like images, like people get shot in the head, like they're blinded, they've lost their eyes. Like that's how mm -hmm. horrible it is. You see like an Al-Aqsa Mosque has been there for like thousands of years, by the way. It's old. It's super old. And you see like they've broken windows there, mm. like and throw tear gas through the windows and tear gas people inside the mosque praying, peaceful people praying. It's just prayer, nothing else. Uh, also, like they've been in the markets, uh, again, arresting people, and they've been like in the streets arresting people as well in East Jerusalem during that time. That's when Hamas uh, started to issue an ultimatum. Stop attacking Al-Aqsa Mosque or we will fire rockets at you. Mm -hmm. And that's when I feel like most people start to look at, oh, what's going on right now in, in Jerusalem? 
what's going on in Gaza? What's going on in Palestine, Israel? What's going on? Because as soon as, like, I feel like, look, I'm just going to say that I, I, don't, I don't support Hamas. They're a fundamentalist group. I don't agree with a lot of stuff they do. A lot of it, I don't agree with it. Mm -hmm. That being said, I feel like that's a reasonable ultimatum, though. Like, don't attack this mosque and we will not attack you. Absolutely. Yes, they attack the mosque mm -hmm. with rockets. Now, Israel has the Iron Dome technology. So, like, what is it? Like, 95% of the rockets going through don't actually hit because the Iron Dome... Uh, which is like this uh, protective anti-rocket system where they shoot rockets at the rockets and load them up. Mm -hmm. Also, just so remember, like these rockets aren't like uh, high-tech uh, American Army, Call of Duty. Yeah, they're not rockets. Tony Stark, no, no, no. Stark they're, Industries they're, thing. They're not, yeah, they're not Stark Industry uh, rockets. They're homemade rockets. Like, I'm not saying that uh, it's bad. Like Israel, li uh, Israel and the people lost their lives to civilians, and that's mm -hmm. bad as well. That's not what I'm saying. What, what I'm saying is that's when the trouble started for real because then the bombing of gaza happened and right now as we're recording this i believe there are like 66 kids dead over 250 like adults dead and the numbers keep rising because they keep finding people as well mm -hmm. like buried in the rubble for, uh, rubble of the buildings and these buildings like they're civilian targets they're like libraries their targets like uh the Associated Press building, which housed, yeah, the Associated Press and Al Jazeera. Uh, they've hit, like, school. Like, there was this one uh, story that, like, it, it broke me. It totally broke me, which was, um, there was, like, five kids that got killed uh, in therapy. And why were they in therapy? They were in therapy because last time they got bombed in 2018. Oh, man. They were in therapy for that because they had PTSD. Oh, man. And then they died in therapy for that PTSD. That, for me, like, is so inhumane. Yeah. So inhumane. And that's... The thing is, then the ceasefire happened. After 10 days of bloodshed, the ceasefire happened. And you see, like, uh, people from Gaza, for example, like, celebrating. Because they're, they're not celebrating freedom. That's the thing. They're celebrating the fact they're not getting bombed. Yeah. Because Gaza is an open-air prison, basically. Gaza, I've I haven't been to Gaza. I've been in multiple, like, uh, both, like, I've been in the West Bank. I've been in, uh, and I've been in, like, uh, Israeli cities as well. I've never been in Gaza because I, I cannot enter Gaza. Because they, they, they'll be like, hey, we don't know what you're going to do here. Mm -hmm. Like, why are you here? That's like how protected Gaza is, because it's an open air prison. Uh, Israel controls every like uh, controls the food going in, controls every single means of production going in and out. is controlled by Israel. The dock, the harbor, is controlled by them as well. So basically, you have like the the, the median age in Gaza is like way lower than the rest of the world because they don't have enough food, they don't have enough water. The water is poisoned basically, because uh, it's not sanitary. And part of me goes like, hmm, maybe I actually understand why some of these people might actually grow up to be Hamas. Because they've been bummed to shit all their life. Yeah. Obviously, at one point, someone's going to be like, you know what, fuck those guys. I'm going to bomb them back. Mm -hmm. Do whatever I can. Again, I'm not condoning it. I'm just saying I understand it. And I feel like the conversation is always, what about Hamas? I feel like that's... A very bad way of going about it because there's a simple solution to Hamas. 
Stop bombing Palestinians. That's the solution. Yeah. It's so simple. Stop giving. That's not a hard concept to, to get to understand. Yeah. It really shouldn't and be. It's funny to me because, like, I see some people going like, "Oh, but Hamas shouldn't bomb and shouldn't be doing bombings, and Hamas this, this, that, and why are the Palestinians so angry?" And the thing that got to me the most, like, I started laughing at one point because I remember, like, while the Fal- the Falcon and the Winter Soldier series was going on, in the final episode, uh, the new Cap, he has this speech about, "Hey, stop calling people terrorists and maybe listening to and uh, listen to what." It's actually going on and why they're acting the way they are. And I was laughing because while I was watching the show, I was like, hmm, yeah. Like Marvel shows are essentially family shows, kids shows. Like they're made to be kid friendly. Yeah. Of course that speech is going to be corny. Obviously. Yeah. I'm not saying it's bad. I'm just saying it's a bit corny. I gotcha. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, but like seeing those people who were like praising the show for what it's doing today being like, oh, why are you doing this, this, and that? It's like, didn't you get the point of the kids show we all watched and enjoyed? <laughs> I love that show, by the way. Yeah. But did you get the point? Because mm-hmm. it's a, such a simple point. Um, so, uh, right now, the situation is this. We're back at Sheikh Jarrah. Because uh, they've basically closed up the entire neighborhood. Uh, the person I had told you about in the beginning, Mohammed Al-Kurt, who you might have seen. like He's, he's actually been on uh, American News. He's been on CNN, for example, to speak about his experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he talked about how, uh, like, he's talking about now, like, I follow him on Twitter, and you, you could follow him on Twitter as well. I'll find his Twitter handle sure. in a bit. Uh, he writes in English, so he wants people to, uh, so, it's, so he writes in English, and, yeah, he's, he's like this writer and poet. And this dude, like, he doesn't even look like a fighter. I don't mean, like, no disrespect, but yeah. he's skinny as hell. Like, he mm-hmm. looks like how a poet would look like. Yet he's getting treated like he's like this, uh, like he's like he's a criminal in his own home. Now he talks about how the same like uh, military police are standing in front of the house. They keep checking his ID whenever he goes in and out of the house, uh, whenever he's in the area. And he's like, they know who we are. And as soon as we show him the ID, they start intimidating us. And that's exactly what he's going for. He's going through hell every single day. And yet he's making freaking Nicki Minaj references on uh, Twitter because he's like keeping his head up. Like, yeah, he's legitimately a, a funny guy. You got to well. find yeah. some light in, in dark times. Yeah. And I feel like that's part of like being Palestinian is also like that resilience. That's something every Palestinian talks about how like the Palestinian resilience, like how resilient this people is because this is going to be going on for 70 plus years mm-hmm. and it's still going on. Like it's a gener- multi-generational thing now. So that like Palestinian resilience is just part of part of the course actually. There was one thing I wanted to add to that. Uh, yeah, and that like resilience also makes Palestinians very understanding of other things. Like for example, look at uh, last year, Black Lives Matter. You had people in Gaza marching, yelling Black Lives Matter mm-hmm. on the street. In Gaza. They had time. They had like place in the heart to feel for uh, the black American populace. Mm-hmm. They had time and energy like to do that. There's this uh, comedian, uh, Rami, if you know him. He also has a show named Rami. I also have a brother named Rami. <laughs> but, uh, he's like this Arab comedian. I, I think he's Palestinian as well. Maybe he's Egyptian. I think I that to... name but, sounds familiar. The, like that yeah. show. Uh, it's Asrami with a Y at the end. 
so R I M Y. Uh, and Rami, he he actually talked about how at one point they he went to like Palestine to to have a comedy show, and he wanted to go to Gaza specifically, and he he wasn't allowed. He wasn't allowed into Gaza. So what they did instead was, uh, and this was back in 2019, I believe he said. So what they did instead was they went to Ramallah, which is like 30 minutes away. No, it wasn't Ramallah. Anyways, they were like 30 minutes away from Gaza. And they set up a webcam and then they just like streamed the show to uh, the, the people in Gaza instead. And then had Q&A afterwards. And he said the one thing that stood out for him was this seven-year-old Gazan girl who said like, hey, we've heard about the people in Flint, Michigan, that their water is polluted. And whenever like uh, they try to get clean water, it burns and stuff like it's, it's bad. Uh, what can we do to help them? Wow. That's like, wow. that for me is the Palestinian people in a nutshell. Like, uh, that's why, I'll, uh, that's why I started saying like anti-Semitism, for example, has no place in the Palestinian fight because that's not who the Palestinians are. Mm-hmm. Sadly, we do have an enemy, uh, which is settler colonialism, which is Palestinians losing their home time and time again. And even lately, like Netanyahu openly said that uh, at one point they might just take Gaza back as well and build homes there. And I guess the Palestinians there either have to die or leave. Oh, man. Yeah. They got two point, what was it, like 2.1 million people living in Gaza. 90,000 of them are without a home right now after this. 90,000. And just like... For comparison's sakes, like this country where all this is going on, this country is the size of New Jersey. Mm-hmm. It, it's not like that big of a land. It's yeah. not. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, a, it's a small plot of land. Yet all of this has been going on for 70 plus years. However, I will say that there is, and you'll say that like a lot of Palestinians online specifically, there's something different this time around. And I feel like I've seen people talk about this that normally never talk about. We've seen, like, for example, kind of funny that the charity stream. You guys did a charity stream. Yeah. Congrats on the four hundred dollars. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, that was great, great, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've seen like multiple people talk about this. Yeah, as I said, the normal don't talk about. It. So you see people like, uh, okay, Mark Ruffalo is always talk about this, but like Mark Ruffalo is out speaking against mm-hmm. the uh, the practices of Israel. And there's like there, there's an air of something is different this time around. It's, I think it's because Israel is not controlling the narrative anymore. Because the narrative has always been, if you're against Israel, you're anti, anti-Semitic. But I feel like, especially because you see a lot of Jewish people coming out and saying, hey, I don't want anything to do with Israel. They do not represent me. Mm-hmm. They do not represent Judaism for that matter. I've seen people say, like Jewish people say that. I feel like that's one of the things that help that uh, like it demystifies what's actually going on. Yeah. And that like people can be horrible. Uh, but at the same time, I feel like one of the big eye openers, and that's something that's been very important to me is to tell, especially my American friends that uh, sadly, a lot of your taxpayer money is funding this because uh, America pays like $3.8 billion a year to Israel. And that's horrible. And I guess a lot of people didn't know this was a thing as well. Me, like, me included. Sense had from, no idea. Yeah. But it's like, it makes sense when you think about it from like a geopolitical sense, 
like not, not, not a humanist standpoint, a geopolitical standpoint. It makes sense because Israel is a strategic ally to America in the Middle East. That's why this is allowed to happen. Mm-hmm. Only reason that's allowed to happen. My honest to God solution to this is not even a two-state solution. It's a whole new state with Palestinian and Jewish people being able to have equal rights. That's that's the solution. Yeah, that's, I, that's my solution to I, this. I, I, yeah, I think that's a. Uh, 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 and first off, is um, thank you so much for for speaking about that. Like, oh, that, I need some water now. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I, I, I didn't, I didn't want to interrupt because you're, 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 you're flowing, and it, uh, it was. It was if listening out there and, and you didn't know before, you know now. And I, I think it's very easy to, to to listen to Islam's words and understand if you didn't before what's going on and, and why we need to, you know, step up and whatnot. But yeah, I, I think you're you just I, again, it's a, a very simple concept, just equal rights it should be just a uniform thing. Mm no matter where you live like that's i think at a human based level that is just what we all want is just to be treated like everybody else no matter no matter your walk of life like i think that's a very easy thing to uh, understand and actually i believe was it the new york times that just they did two things like one one semi-good thing one horrible thing the horrible thing they did was they posted this ad with the was it uh, Bella and Gigi Hadid and Dua Lipa where they accused them of being supportive of Hamas and stuff because they, they spoke out against uh, the uh, yeah spoke out against Israel mm-hmm. yeah just a friend wrote, like Bella Hadid is uh, and that family they're Palestinians <laughs> <laughs> uh, so that's like an important thing like they have Palestinians I believe from the father's side uh-huh. uh, so Obviously, they're gonna stand with like I believe Michael Kors dropped Bella Hadid, for example, as a model. They don't want to work with her anymore after mm. this. Uh, I think that's like an important thing to remember. Also, like people who are speaking up sometimes don't get, oh sorry, sometimes get hit with the hammer. Like I don't know if you heard about Emily Wilder, I believe her name is. Yeah, uh, she was a journalist for the Associated Press and Jewish, by the way. I'm just gonna throw that she's Jewish, by the way. Just remember that. And when she was in college, she actually advocated a lot for Palestinian rights. So apparently some, as far as I believe, uh, understood, some right-wingers in America found out about this and they got her fired from AP. Wow. So she lost her job. She effectively got canceled. <laughs> Which is insane to me. And I guess on the basis of anti-Semitism, it's like, she's Jewish. Mm-hmm. What are you talking about? Mm-hmm. Like, how can you make that argument? Oh, and by the way, just like for fact, I'm Semitic as well. Palestinians are, are Semitic people. Mm-hmm. Uh, Anti-Semitism, again, big problem, but also it's very much a European American problem. That's where it originated from. Because Jewish people have always been like in, in the Middle East. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But... But we've seen, like, uh, like from like from the Middle Ages, there's been <laughs> anti-Semitism. From the Middle Ages, we see, like, uh, uh, but at the same time, like, uh, a lot of uh, Christian monarchies needed Jewish people because they needed banking, for example, because banking and taking interests isn't against uh, Jewish practices. So it makes it okay. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, that creates, like, narratives and that creates conspiracy theories against them, uh, which is horrible, which is bad. My 
issue though is right now anti-semitism is being used as a weapon to almost like deflect from the actual issue like i'm seeing like celebrities right now that haven't spoken up at all against uh, what's going on but now they're posting blue squares on instagram mm -hmm. and stuff and they're like oh it's uh, because of anti-semitism it's like okay anti-semitism anti-semitism is bad but that's not what's going on right now like, yeah i'm sure like there have been like a few cases as far as i understand like people getting like beat up or something like and it's like a handful of cases i'm not even sure how many, as far as i was like two or three cases like even like that widespread i'm not saying i'm not brushing it off but my point is we still have six over 60 dead kids right now yeah i feel like that should take precedence absolutely what's actually going on. i think that should be the topic of conversation but it's not still and I see, like, it's as if, uh, like, a lot of celebrities specifically, and the reason why I want celebrities to speak of, because normally I don't, uh, what, what are John's thought on 9-11? Uh, Somebody get John the phone. That's not what I'm saying. Yeah. Uh, what I'm saying is, like, uh, whenever celebrities actually speak up, people tend to listen and be like, oh, what's this celebrity talking about? Let me look into it. I feel like that's actually sometimes the power of celebrity. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, who the fuck cares what Dua Lipa thinks? She makes good music, but at the end of the day, who cares? I care because nobody speaks our case. Sure, yeah. Almost nobody. So when IGN, I swear to God, Kyle, when IGN put up the the Palestinian flag on their logo, I'm not kidding. I cried. I don't cry easily. Mm -hmm. I I played. I, I I I finished God of War, and at the end of the game, instead of crying, my take was hmm, cool game. <laughs> and then I put it down. I don't cry easily. Yeah, that yeah. made me cry. Because that was like the first time I felt like somebody looked at me, my identity, my ethnicity and said, mm -hmm. yeah, you exist. Because that's like another part of the narrative sometimes is that they say like, oh, there's never been a Palestine. There's never been Palestine. Like they're Arabs. Mm -hmm. And that drives me insane. Because if you even look at old uh, Zionist propaganda, right? They're like, we're going back to Palestine. That's the words that they're using. Yeah. If you see what, what's her name? She's one of the founders of Israel and she was the first and only female prime minister of Israel. Golda Meir, is that her name? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Uh, this is interview that's been like circling around with her. And she even says like, uh, I'm a Palestinian. She says, I'm a Palestinian. Now, of course, this lady also said things like, oh, there will be peace once the Palestinians love their children more than they hate us and bullshit like that. I'm not saying she's a good person by any stretch of the imagination. I, don't, I despise her. Mm -hmm. uh, that being said, like, she uses the words, I'm a Palestinian. So that means Palestinians exist. Yeah. Man. Yeah, sorry. No, I, I, got you're fine. I got angry there. No, you're fine. Yeah, it just... But, like, I, I, think, I think what you yeah. said is... Uh, I, I think the the biggest takeaway from from kind of looking through all like the smoke and mirrors, like what the you mentioned, like the celebrities were just like the blue squares, like, mm -hmm. hey, look over here, I'm doing something, but like, remember, yeah, there's over sixty dead kids, kids, yeah, who who are are still growing and learning, and and like they get caught up into it, and like they're. They're not going to be able to experience life. Like that is yeah. so sad. Like I'm on the verge of tears just thinking about it. Like I, I can't. It is. Yeah. It's disgusting. It's disturbing. It should not be okay. No matter where you come from or what you stand for. Kids should not be the, like they targeting libraries. Why, why were they targeting? Like what, what's going to go down in the library? That's going to actively hurt you. 
Like, yeah, because uh, uh, yeah, the excuse that they use is, oh, Hamas have munitions there, or Hamas have munitions there. And, and for me, it's like, okay, is this whole like uh, talk of Hamas again? We're back at Hamas. <laughs> this whole t- talk of Hamas, I feel like you also have to remember, like, when you're in Gaza, like, the Gaza, like, the Palestinians in Gaza chose Hamas for a reason. And it's because nobody else is out there looking for their interests. And it makes sense. Like, Again, I don't uh, believe in Hamas. Uh, again, Hamas is an Islamist fundamentalist group. That is, I understand. Like, if I was in Gaza, I would probably be there too, being like, you know what? These guys at least help us rebuild after they bomb us. Which is like my next point. Like, uh, you've guys been doing the share charity. I've seen Tamur Hussein doing the charity. I've seen mm-hmm. kind of funny. I- I'm doing. I'm streaming uh, as well. Uh, we, on the first day, we got over hundred dollars. I was pleasantly nice. surprised. Yeah. More streamer like me. <laughs> um, and then, but the problem is, we cannot stop looking now. I feel like that's the most important thing to note of out of all of this. We cannot stop now because if we stop now, I'm gonna give them four years. At the most, four years they're gonna bomb Gaza again, and it's this is gonna happen again. Mm-hmm. And they're gonna bomb Gaza, and then we, and then they rebuild, and then they bomb them, and then they rebuild. That's like. The story of Gaza, it's, it, it gets bombed and it gets rebuilt. Mm-hmm. We can send as much help as we can. We can uh, do these charity streams. We can do so much. Yet, I feel like the most important thing is that we choose our politicians wisely. Because in America right now, the only politicians I've seen that are actively speaking against this are uh, AOC, uh, Rashid Talib, who is Palestinian, by the way. Mm-hmm. And Bernie Sanders and Ilhan Omar, mm-hmm. those four, I believe, are like almost the only ones that I've seen actively speak up against this. Yeah, while Bernie is like introducing this uh, new bill, apparently, where he, where they're trying to stop the wholesale of weapons to Israel. Because Biden was like, instead of going in with a ceasefire, he likes, he signed an agreement for seven hundred million dollars more of military equipment. Like, what the fuck? Mm-hmm. We're seeing these pictures of children losing their homes, people dying. And, and we also like talk about like, oh, kids die. We also remember like adults are dying and they have children. This is like a story I saw with this man who like made these like small YouTube videos with his kids to like cheer them up and cheer them up. And like, he's dead now, their father. The kids are alone. They, they, they're orphaned now as well. Yeah. It's like a reminder. We talk about kids dying. Yeah. And also... Actually, like these adults are still human beings, mm-hmm. and yeah, they left kids as well. Yeah. Um, while all that is going on, Biden, uh, yeah, approved like a seven hundred million dollar weapon sale to Israel. That for me is what needs to change. Uh, choose your politicians wisely and write, write, write for the love of everything holy. Write to your congresspersons and tell them. Did you not approve of this? That you don't want your taxpayer money to go funding this? And yeah, I feel like that's the most important thing. And mm-hmm. yeah, because you see, especially because as far as I understand, you see, especially like I don't even notice this, but like in America, I believe um, a lot of those who like also support Israel, what they're doing, also like evangelical Christians. And the reason why I understand is because they want the Jewish people to come back to the, the lands of whence they came. Because if they do that, I believe that will like, it's almost like a video game that will trigger the cutscene <laughs> in which Jesus returns and sure. then just fight the devil or something. And then, 
I, I don't know, man. Yeah, All it's, it's wild. Like, uh, yeah, it's wild. And then you get sucked up into a space <laughs> or something. I don't know. Yeah. Um, yeah. We, we, you cannot let that continue. Yeah. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, so so yeah. continuing what you were saying, like I, I think for for us here in the States specifically, like we we need to you know contact your your congress people people in power and, and and you know use your words against uh you know funding israel and and stopping this endless cycle of violence that should just not be happening at all so write to your congress people you know raise money for charity speak up speak out use your platform for good and and educate others like I know with like my family members, they're very much like, you know, again, the very, it's like, oh, it's, it's not us. Like, let's worry about us first. But yeah, but like indirectly you are aiding the, what's happening. Yeah, Cause those 3.8 bill, billion could go, uh, gone into like schools, or yes, hospitals, absolutely. Or healthcare. Like the money is there for you guys to absolutely. get healthcare. I mean, like, well, yeah, healthcare is a, a huge one or, or just like on the very needed, I mean, the last two years went out the pandemic, like just people unemployment, like pay people to yeah. stay home. We would have been out of this so quicker, so much quick, yeah. quicker if we were like, you know, paid to stay home and just like the money is there and oh. it's going for this other oh. evil thing. Like it's, it's awful. Yeah. And like, and like, it's funny you should mention Corona because like Israel is one of those like that tackled Corona the best. Uh, if you look like, they've already vaccinated uh, a bunch of, uh, yeah. Uh, their countrymen and such and please notice my word use their countrymen because some of those that haven't been getting vaccines are palestinians because mm. uh, like under international law if you have occupied territories because that's the thing was like gaza and uh, the west bank are occupied palestinian territories so technically they're still under israel they're just occupied so even though they have like their own government and stuff like in the west bank you have uh, the party of fatah um which was like originally the PLO, the Palestinian Liberation Organization, which my dad, may he rest in peace, was part of. And on the other side, uh, yeah, and then in Gaza, you have Hamas. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it's occupied Palestinian territory. And when you have like, when you have occupied territories under international law, you have to provide humanita- humanitarian aid to these occupied territories. Friendly reminder, there's a pandemic as well. And that pandemic is there as well. There's coronavirus. And the coronavirus center in Gaza, can you guess what happened to it, Kyle? Oh, let me guess. It got bombed. It got bombed. The head of the corona like uh, task force killed. Uh, the leading neurosurgeon killed. Like all these like important people for the infrastructure. They even had like uh, on this build- uh, a building where they did like 3D printed, uh, what's it called? Medical equipment. Bombed. So just like a reminder, I was like, this is actually, um, this is actually on Israel to like make sure vaccines get into uh, the population so they get vaccinated. But no, instead they're like, yeah, bombed them during a pandemic as well. Let's not forget that. And also let's not forget that this started during eight, uh, eight, which is at the end of Ramadan, we have eight, which is like, uh, the celebration. It's our Christmas basically. Mm-hmm. Like they attacked Al-Aqsa mosque during eight. That's insane. That's a God's doing eight. Like, imagine you can bomb on Christmas. Yeah. That's the equivalent to it. You can bomb on Christmas. That's, mm-hmm. that's what happened. Um, but yeah. So these vaccines, uh, those extra vaccines and stuff, you know where they're headed? 
up to me, up to Denmark, because Denmark is gonna is working with Israel to build like an, an a vaccine factory in Israel, so we can produce vaccines with them. Personally, I'm so against it, especially mm-hmm. because, like, they're not like, going to everybody. The, People, yeah, they're not going to England. People living in apartheid. Did you like in Jerusalem? They had like, you, you know how like in Jim Crow, uh, Jim Crow, sorry, Jim Crow, uh, America. You had like, oh, the the blacks walk over here and the white people yeah. walk over there. They're, they're, like, yeah, like black people walk on this side of the mm-hmm. road, white people, yeah, oh, like you know, specific water fountains yeah. for 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 black people and, yeah. and white, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have like similar stuff in Jerusalem as well. Like, oh, if you're Palestinian, you have to walk on this side of the road, and if you're Israeli, you have to walk on this side of the road. Like it's they're living in apartheid. That's why you see people like in South Africa, for example, they support so much the, the Palestinian cause. Nelson Mandela, may he rest in peace, supported the Palestinian cause because he could see like the same oppressive systems that were in South Africa are there. And back then, before during apartheid, all the Western countries, including Denmark, who did they support? The apartheid system because that was like the system that was in place. Nelson Mandela was rendered a terrorist. Now we think about it as like this, like if you show you a picture of Nelson Mandela, the first thing you think of is peace, unity. Yeah. That's, that's what you think of. No. Yeah, he was rendered a terrorist. We even had like one of the, uh, the, the leaders of the right-wing parties here in Denmark when uh, Denmark's uh, crown prince went down to the funeral. Uh, she was like, no, why are, we sending, uh, why are we sending the crown prince to the funeral of a terrorist? It's like, what the hell are you talking about, lady? Mm-hmm. Set your butt down. Yeah. Nobody likes you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Oh man. Uh, so, yeah. it, Islam. First off, I want to thank you for that. That was amazing. Um, learned a lot, like, even more than what I'm trying to do um, in my spare time. So, thank you very much. Mm-hmm. Um, I, again, the big takeaway is don't, don't, uh, don't be silent. Use your, use your voice. Mm-hmm. Speak up against this stuff, and let's, uh, let's hope. The, the cycle ends and when we're old, like it's, it's done. And Pal- Palestine is, is, is living their best lives without this constant dark cloud over their heads. Um, awkward transitions aside, uh, you mentioned you were, you were streaming, um, for the charity. Uh, how'd you get uh, into yeah, the, uh, uh, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, I'm streaming specifically for middle medical aid for Palestinian. Sweet. Because yeah. I know, like you, we did PCR Palestinian child relief. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'm doing medical aid for Palestinian, which is the same one I believe Tabor is streaming for. Well. Sweet. Uh, yeah. So that that's the one I've been uh, streaming for. I started yesterday because I didn't know how easy it was to actually set up a charity stream. Mm-hmm. I thought I was like, oh, this is gonna be difficult. But I, like, oh, no, I'm gonna do it for it. I'll figure it out. It was like it took me five minutes. Like, oh, this was. <laughs> Yeah, I just did it via Streamlabs. Yeah, uh, what's it called? Streamlabs charity, and mm-hmm. they did everything for me. I just added a button, and uh, whenever you donate, a Palestinian flag showed up. I was like, oh, nice. that's cute!" And then we played chess simulator. <laughs> <laughs> where can uh, where can people check out this chess emulator streams? Uh, at uh, I Dubai. So it's like at uh, I and I like uh, yeah yeah the letter, the letter I. I yeah and uh, Dubai and uh, my last name uh, Dubai. So if you're watching, uh, if you're looking, so yeah, just like pause the podcast, look at the podcast name. You'll see my yeah. name there. Just add an I before the, my last name. There I, you go. Uh, how'd you, uh, how long have you been doing the, the Twitch streams? Is it just strictly oh, started during the pandemic and the lockdown? It started during the pandemic. Yeah. Uh, 
it started uh, back in April, actually, when I got, uh, what's it called? Uh, Resident Evil 3 Remake, actually. Oh, nice. Because I was like, oh, this might be a fun stream game. So I just started streaming that. And I had like, uh, I already had like the microphone that I'm using right now. So I just plugged it into the PlayStation, PlayStation 4, mm-hmm. and just streamed directly from there. And then it just took off from nice. there. Because I was having so much fun. Like people jumping into chat and like showing on, just like having conversation at all. And for me, like my streams are hangouts. So if anyone wants to come and hang out, you're more than welcome. Yeah, we have fun. We have fun. Lots of uh, lots of inside jokes, and you will become a tea drinker, as it's called in my my community, <laughs> which is me and like three other persons. But yeah, come and uh, drink tea with us. Nice. We always drink tea while we're streaming. That's awesome. Um... Is uh, where was I going with that? I had a question and it left me. Never mind. Um, but you you also are are, are podcasting with uh, with other people as well. Uh, did yes, that also yeah. get started because of the the lockdown stuff? Well, actually, I did have another podcast before that, mm-hmm. uh, and that wasn't like lockdown or anything. It was just sure. like one of my friends was like, "Hey, let's do a video games podcast." I'm like, "Sure, let's do it." And then after a while, we kind of like. Not, not like Philip, but like he wanted to do different stuff with it and such. So we kind of let like stop gotcha. the podcast. And there was like a lot of personal stuff that kept getting in the way of us actually making the podcast. Sure. Uh, yeah, I've had like a rough two years, like 2019, 2020. So lots of stuff sure. in my personal mm-hmm. life happened. So yeah, we, we couldn't get it out like regularly. And then the pandemic happened and second lockdown. And it was like, yeah, fuck that. Sure. Yeah. So he's doing his own thing, uh, my friend. But uh, I ended up with uh, my good friend uh, Hugo, Hugo Pinar, who I also know from yeah. the company Facebook group, actually. Uh, fantastic fellow, uh, super Italian, speaks with a British accent, very weird. Um, <laughs> always take, yeah, uh, whenever we, 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 there's like a Zoom meeting or something and I get to hear yeah. Hugo's voice, it always throws me for a loop. Every yeah, time. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I remember the first time I heard Hugo speak was, uh, it's funny how every time somebody mentions Hugo, the conversation is like, let's talk about Hugo. Yeah. <laughs> the first time, because everybody loves him. Like, yeah. he's so lovable. Um, the first time I heard his voice was, I was just, I just finished, like, I think it was a Ghost of Tsushima stream, actually. Uh, and I finished that, and uh, Hugo was watching. He was like, oh, this is so much fun. It made me want to play Sekiro again. Like, he's beat that game, like, a gazillion times. It's like, okay, I'm going to stream some secret now. Okay, I'll, I'll go in and watch. And then, yeah, I just like tuned in and suddenly I was like, oh, hey, here you go. It's like, oh, are you there, Islam? And I was like, why do we speak like this? <laughs> this was, I, I expected Super Mario to show up. What is this? <laughs> oh, that's awesome. Uh, and he was like, oh, yeah, I'm half British. So, so okay, you're half British, I guess. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> Did not know that, yeah. But yeah, we have a podcast called I'm So Tired. Great name, and by the, the way. Premise is, yeah, the premise is, like, it's because every time we text each other, it's almost like, what are we doing? I don't know. I'm so tired. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And especially like with the pandemic and everything going on, like in general, yeah, uh, we're, we're like tired all the time. So the concept is basically that uh, we use uh, pop culture bullshit, as you call it, pop culture, uh, pop culture bullshit to distract ourselves from how depressed we actually are. Nice. And yeah, you should come on sometime if you figure out something. Absolutely. uh, You'll be the first uh, non Mexican we have on. That's (laughs) something you know. Our guests are always Mexicans. So you're like, okay. All right. Yeah. I'd be be honored. That'd be awesome. 
Um, how often do you guys do that? You sit down and, and chat. Uh, we try to do it like weekly, uh, but sometimes it's bi-weekly. Sure. Like, it's been bi-weekly the last two weeks, I think. Uh, mostly because last week we didn't actually have a topic to cover. And I think the next time, and we were going to record this week, but something came in, like we couldn't like schedule it. Sure. So I think we're going to record tomorrow, maybe. Oh, nice. And just put it up quickly yeah. uh, tomorrow. And we're going to actually be going through what we went through with Palestine yeah. and actually make it about something that's a bit more important of whether or not your paragon or get shippered, you know? Also, I'm <laughs> yeah. going to get shippered. So. Uh, I, <laughs> thank you for bringing that up because I didn't you tweet out like if you're playing as paragon chef, you're playing it wrong? Yeah. <laughs> How dare you? <laughs> I'm sorry, Renegade Shepard is so much fun. It's I can't so be an fun. asshole in a game, Islam. I can't do it. I actually, like, the first time I played it, I, I was like, yeah, like, I went Paragon because, like, I can't be an asshole. Yeah. And then I made my second run uh, as uh, Femship. And then I went with uh, the, uh, the Renegade round. I was like, whoa, this is way better. Because, <laughs> like, you're still, you're still a hero. That's the thing. You're still a hero. You're just a, a huge asshole. <laughs> and there was, like, fun nods here and there to it as well. Like, uh, I believe it's in Mass Effect 3 where there's this, like, hologram of Shepard going, and you can speak to it. And if you're Paragon, the hologram is like, eh, my name is Shepard, I'm here to protect the galaxy and stuff like that. But when you're Renegade, the hologram is like, if you don't follow me, I'll beat your ass. And she was like, what sound like this? And it was, like, super aggressive. That's awesome. Okay. Just, yeah. That's so I love Renegade. I think Renegade Shepard. The only thing I don't like about Renegade Shepard is the scar, the scarring thing where mm. the eyes turn red and stuff. Yeah, it, it's a bit much. It's a little too much. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But I do like the character of the Renegade Shepard because nice. Renegade Shepard is insane. <laughs> <laughs> um, let me ask you. Uh, is this is a, a old? Um, uh, segment I used to do on, on Best Friends Talk Funny. Uh, what's the one thing off the top of your head that you think people should uh, have on their radar when it comes to like watching, reading, playing, or, or listening? Okay. Uh, should I go like uh, one for each? Or? No, or in general, like if you have more than one. I mean, other, besides another round, which I have written down. Yeah, another round is probably like <laughs> one other thing right now. To put, just because like it, it's very much a showcase on... Uh, Danish culture. Sure. Uh, that's how, like, uh, yeah, that's how I uh, mute it, at least. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, I would put, like, that one. Um, if I had to, like, something else, I feel like... Uh, okay, let's go, like, from the one end. Video games, I would implore everyone to play through the Metal Gear series. Peace Walker and 5 are a bit long, I know, but uh, 1 to 4? You can easily breeze through them in a week mm -hmm. or two. Easily. Yeah, it's like I'm actually wearing yeah, a Metal Gear Solid t-shirt right now. <laughs> yeah. I, I love Metal Gear Solid so much. It's my favorite um, game series because the story is bonkers, the characters are great, and has some of the best like gameplay. And hey, some of the older games haven't aged super well, but it's still playable and fun, I would say. I feel like I have that. Movies, oh, I used to be like a big movie guy, and then suddenly I wasn't. Sure, uh, yeah. Yeah, but like one movie... To keep like, okay, so like one movie like I legitimately really 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 enjoy. I feel like a lot of people should give a shot. It's uh, the anime Ghost in the Shell. Mm. Yeah, not the Scarlett Johansson one, the original yeah. anime one. The anime one, yeah. The anime one, yeah. <laughs> the anime one, yeah. Uh, I recently spoke on it and other cyberpunky things on the Large Popcorn Pod uh, podcast with uh, Christian Macias. 
he has that podcast with movies and mm-hmm. he had me and Hugo on and we did like a whole cyberpunk game. So I don't know. That's like a movie that's always been there for some, I like, I watched it as a kid once and then it disappeared and then I found it again. And it was like a huge thing uh, for me. Like, yeah, I would say that that's one movie I always recommend to people. Like that for me, I enjoy because it also has like that aesthetic that I enjoy so much. Like uh, city decay, sci-fi, futuristic, mm-hmm. I love that stuff. Um, let's see. What else? Read. I'm not. A, I'm not a big book guy. Sure. I'm gonna That's be, fair. I'm not, I'm, gonna pre, I'm not gonna pretend to be a big book guy. <laughs> yeah. Uh, comics, though. Oh, I, I read a lot of comics. Right now, I'm reading through the dedicates uh, Venom run. I oh, don't yeah. usually read Venom. I don't actually like Venom. <laughs> yeah, I mean, <laughs> same. I find, I find <laughs> Venom boring, but the Dedicates run is very cool because it's it kind of like subverts expectations of what Venom is and kind of gives Venom an entirely new origin story that we haven't seen before. Then you realize, oh, there's this god uh, and he created the symbiotes like a billion years ago. So, what the fuck? Okay, let's go. That's, that sounds fun. Yeah, let's yeah. Do this. that sounds awesome. Yeah. No, I feel like if this one comic I would say people should read is the first one of the Kamala Khan Miss Marvel comic mm-hmm. uh, written by G. Willow Wilson uh, which is the introduction of Kamala Khan uh, that for me was like that comic was such an eye opener to me because I was like the first it's so sad but that was like the first time I saw a character that was Muslim who wasn't a terrorist and I was so happy <laughs> and that like again not to go back to the other comments uh-huh. that's how low the bar is set honestly I yeah. was like she isn't a terrorist her character, like the way they portray her and the religion of Islam in a way that for me at least, like it, it made sense. Like the way she gets her with great power comes great responsibility is by going to the, uh, the Imam at the mosque and has a conversation with him. Like, and he says, like uh, the prophet Muhammad said, if you can save one person, you've saved the entirety of humanity. That's like an important part of Islam. If you save one person, you've saved the entirety of humanity. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was like her, her principle, like that's how she goes out and saves people and yeah. stuff. And for me, it's it's good. It's very good. And it's also written by a Muslim woman. G. Will, G. Will Wilson is Muslim. Mm-hmm. So yeah. yeah, it's actually pretty accurate as well, which is nice. It's not the oh, I've, I, I, I watched something about Muslims on TV. Let me write about this. It's not that. Like it <laughs> uh-huh. is genuine. Nice. So, so watch the Disney Plus show when that comes out. I can't wait. Here. Yeah. Yeah, I'm so excited for that one as well. Um, Anything listen to or? Hey, uh, I'm a big hip hop head. Oh, I, I love rap music, especially East Coast rap. It's probably some of my favorite. Uh, I don't have like like a, like a hipster underground hit take on that though. Uh-huh. Um, so I would say, like, probably, like, Jay-Z is my favorite rapper. Sweet. Wow. Yeah. Love Jay-Z. Uh, I've listened to, yeah, lots, lots of Jay-Z specifically. Uh, lots of Kanye West as well. He's an asshole, but he makes great music. <laughs> Agreed. <laughs> horrible, horrible person. But he's, he's my problematic fave, uh, uh, is Kanye West. Because I know he's problematic, but... I love it. Like he's, yeah, yeah, yeah. I get that. Like whenever he does something stupid, I, I, I just ignore it because I'm like, yeah, but you make so good. I, I'm gonna ignore this one person. I'm allowed. To, I'm allowed to have one problematic face. I don't have a, a it's not just one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, for me, like um, hip hop specifically is like an important genre to me. I will say, like, if I would do like a recommendation, like maybe some, like even some Danish hip hop for that matter. Uh, would be like uh, there's this dude uh, named uh, 
His name is uh, L-O-C. So L-O-C. It stands okay. for Liam O'Connor. Because he's actually Irish, I believe, originally. But yeah. Yeah, with O'Connor, I would yeah. I would imagine so. Yeah, with the O'Connor, yeah. Yeah, Liam O'Connor. Uh, yeah, he has like some great albums from the 2000s specifically, his stuff from there. Because he would like play a lot, a lot with genres. Like he had this one album, which was like a double album. And the first album was like this heavy hip hop, you know, heavy beats and stuff. And halfway through the album, when it transitions to the next, you hear this like drum beat that, that's this hardcore drum beat that slowly morphs into this like synth speed and it goes into like this more pop sound and the rest of the album is a pop album fantastic like it's That's so awesome. good yeah. where where yeah. did your love of hip-hop come from um well my, my stereotypical answer would be like uh i'm an immigrant kid growing up in denmark so for me like it's funny because for me like seeing uh uh, like listening to hip hop, listening like especially some like the social issues and all that. Uh, like listening to hip hop, like rappers talk about racism and the experiences, uh, kind of resonated a bit with me as well. Of course, uh, the police aren't shooting us on the street, <laughs> thankfully. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have like police uh, problems here in Denmark as well. Not perfect uh, by any stretch of the imagination, but at least we're not getting killed. Yeah. So I take that. <laughs> victory for me at least <laughs> but yeah for me at least uh i see it like yeah i would listen like I, I could relate to it a lot and also yeah i think that's where it started actually i would listen to it and be like yeah yeah that's cool yes. and also when i was a teenager i used to make music myself <laughs> so oh really it was a thing as well so yeah 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 nice uh, if you ever come into my streams and i'm doing uh, and you're into in, in the what's it called yeah when i have my starting soon screen or my ending screen or mm-hmm. my the impact of at the toilet screen. <laughs> uh, the, the music that you listen to is actually hip hop beats that I've made. Uh, oh wow, cool! Back uh, when I used to make music, and I've played like I performed in the entire country. Actually, it's not a big country, so it's like super impressive that I've done that. But still, <laughs> that's uh, awesome. Uh, I've been yeah, I've been around performing and such and uh, written raps. So sweet, that's cool. That's awesome. My camera is frozen, but you can still. Uh, hear yeah, me, right? I can still hear you. Yeah. Okay, good. I'm just so frozen. That's good. That's annoying. <laughs> um, so let's get into some uh, some questions from the audience. F- Christian at ISO Christian, uh, who, oh, yeah. who you were just on the podcast with. Uh, yeah, well, large popcorn, right? Yeah, large popcorn pod. There you go. It's very good, by the way. It's legitimately a very good uh, movie podcast. Sweet. Uh, Christian asks if you can only consume one type of medium for the rest of your life, what would it be? Video games, movies, music, or comics? I would have to go. I'll have to go with video games. I think, and the reason why I'm choosing video games is because video games have always been my first love. Uh, like I still remember my, like my first console, uh, the SNES, and even before that, we used to play on like MS DOS. Like I had, I think my brothers had a pirated copy of the first Mortal Kombat game on MS DOS or something oh, wow. like that. I'm 100 percent sure it's pirated now that I think <laughs> back to it. Well, I'm thinking back on it. But yeah, and then yeah, my SNES was my first console, and yeah, I feel like it's a medium that can do a lot. It can tell stories, it can be fun, it can be whatever you want it to be. Yeah, uh, I still feel like it's a medium that's still trying to. It, it's, it's still a medium with a lot of growing pains, especially when it comes to storytelling. Because mm-hmm. I feel like we're almost there where the storytelling is on par with uh, like movies and books and such. But sometimes I feel like uh, it's as if. Uh, the medium kind of forget gets that it is a video game and not a movie. And I feel like that's when I get kind of annoyed. 
Uh, sure. <laughs> yeah. Games. Yeah, I get but that. Yeah, I would say video games. Uh, follow up question: How excited are yeah. you for Final Fantasy VII Remake Integrate? I am so excited, <laughs> but I don't have a PS5. Oh, I forgot. Oh, damn. Okay. I don't have a PS5, and I thought like I was for sure that because they said, "Oh, it's going to be one year exclusivity, and then it's going to come to like a PC and such." I was like, "Okay, I have a powerful PC now. I can run yeah. it in the PC." That I played there. Nope. Uh, Apparently, they they ex, uh, like uh, extended the exclusivity. I'm like, yeah, guess I'm gonna have to get a PS5 now, especially now with Final Fantasy 16 on the horizon. Yeah, uh, I've been playing a bit of 14 lately, uh, and it finally clicked for me after like 25 hours. <laughs> and now I get why people like this Yoshi P dude who's gonna be directing sure. uh, 16. So I'm actually excited for 16. Yeah. So I'm gonna need that PS5 at one point. I'm not in a hurry right now. Yeah, I kind of want it for Returnal. That's yeah, the one game. It's good, play. and when it works, like it, it's funny. Like I've beaten Returnal. I've I've done like three full runs, whatever. I I have all the trophies. I'm just trying to survey the last couple of biomes, whatever, and, and mm. to get the platinum. And just recently, this week, I'm finally able to un- come across like my friends as dead scouts. Uh, like that was like a promise in like mean? the first trailer. So like uh, when they die, they leave like an echo, and like you can either scavenge their their corpse for uh, an item you can use, or you can avenge their death and get some sort of benefit that way. That was like in their first trailers and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I was never able to do that, not once. And now all oh. of a sudden, it just it's working now. I'm like, oh, okay, sweet. I, I mean, I'm not going to really dive too deep into it because I'm just running for these collectibles. But you know what? Awesome. I get to see part of the game that I guess was there from the beginning. It's very odd. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, second question from uh, a Mr. Jackson Wells at Jackson Wells on Twitter. What is your favorite game that you've streamed on Twitch? My favorite game I've streamed on Twitch? Uh, I have two games, I would say, that I- my favorite uh, stream on Twitch. The first one is Hades. Nice. Uh, my game of the year last year as well. What an amazing experience. Mm-hmm. I love that game so, 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 so much. Uh, it surprised me because Final Fantasy VII Remake was like uh, my top game uh, in 2020. And then this game came out of nowhere and was like, hey, you like roguelikes? <laughs> you like roguelikes that aren't overly difficult? Uh, and actually, like, you get better whenever you play them. And it actually... Whenever you die, the story actually progresses. So you're not actually losing progress, whatever you're doing. Yeah. Okay, this is a game for you. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, I streamed like most of the game. Uh, like, yeah, I streamed most of that game. And even like when I beat the game, I beat it on stream, which was like nice. super fun. Uh, so yeah, I feel like, yeah, I would probably end, that would probably be my answer. Uh, yeah, what a great game. I'm very excited. I think it finally was leaked. It's rated for PS4 in some countries, so... Oh, you haven't played it yet? I, I played a little bit, like uh, on PC. I, I got on on Epic, but I selfishly would love to play it on my nice big TV in bright, vivid colors. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I was waiting for that opportunity, and I I can't wait because I'm a sucker for roguelikes. Um, so give me that game. I wanna. It was fun when I played it on on the PC, but God, platinum trophies are my thing. So give me yeah. let me try to platinum that fair, game. Man. 
If that, like, if I had it on the PlayStation, I would go for the Classic. Sure. Well, let's be honest. Yeah. But I don't really care for Steam achievements. No, <laughs> not at all. Sure, yeah. yeah. Like, I don't care. Absolutely. Uh, that being said, though, the second game, I would say, like, that's why I said the second game, I only streamed it for one day, and I did it on my birthday, actually. So I showed up to my birthday. I shaved my beard. I just had a mustache. Uh-huh. Uh, I came in, balloons were flying everywhere, and then I played the Neon Genesis Evangelion game on the N64. On the N64. <laughs> <laughs> and we beat that game on stream. Like, it was so short, but what a difficult game. Holy shit, it was a difficult game. Like, and I could tell like, it was made for a controller and not mouse and keyboard. <laughs> sure. Uh, and I had like Jackson looking up a guy and being okay for this boss. You have to. Pr- oh, the game was in Japanese, by the way. So oh, I didn't said anything. Okay. So Jackson had like a guy and he was like, "Oh, you have to press X at this exact moment." Like, okay, but X here is actually Z on my keyboard. <laughs> <laughs> it was a whole thing. It was so, but it was. You so said it was an N sixty four game. It was an N sixty four. Oh man, game. yeah, I, I can't imagine how those controls map on a keyboard. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> With that controller. <laughs> But I had so much fun. Like, and a lot of the things were like, uh, so the game was mostly like, uh, what are they called? Not real time cutscenes, but uh, FMVs? Quick time oh, events. Quick times. Okay. That's, yeah. A lot of the game is quick time events. And a lot of them is like mashing uh, two buttons over and over again really quickly. So there are clips on my Twitch channel. I'm just like going and. I'm sweating just pressing ZX, 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 and it just goes on forever. <laughs> it's not a good game. Do not play this game. <laughs> sometimes, like, oh. sometimes a not a good game, especially if you're streaming it, yeah. become the most fun. Because it's like, here, look yeah. at how bad this game is and make fun yeah. of it together. It's like I streamed the chess simulator yesterday. <laughs> for example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. With you should play that. It's free on Steam. Like you don't even have to pay for it. You go around, you sit on chairs, you get set points, you buy new chairs. That's the whole game. <laughs> nice. It was horrible. <laughs> <laughs> like trying to make like commentary on that was so difficult because a lot of time just sitting and waiting for your set points to go up. <laughs> so I'm just sitting there being like, yeah, now we're sitting. <laughs> now we're sitting. Oh man. Yes, how much, we got enough points. How much is that game going for, Islam? Oh, it's free. Oh, it's free. Oh, good. All right. Yeah. Excellent. Yeah. It's a perfect stream game. Uh, Nice. But I would say, like, pro tip, if you're going to stream that stream it with, like, Mike or something, don't don't stream it like yours. Yeah, no. (laughs) You need someone to talk to. (laughs) Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So before we head out, I'm going to ask you some rapid fire questions. Uh, The first thing that pops in your head is going to be your answer. Okay. Okay. Are you ready? Okay, let's go. A lot of these are very much like uh, U.S. based, so I'm gonna have to sift through it. I'm not gonna put a timer up just so it's easier for me. Um, That's fair. <laughs> uh, invisibility or super strength? Um, uh, invisibility. Is it wrong for a vegetarian to eat animal crackers? No. <laughs> First, first celebrity crush. First, uh, Lucy Liu. Oh, nice. Uh, favorite junk food. Uh, burgers. <laughs> favorite ice cream flavor. Uh, salted caramel. Ooh. Uh, That's a stupid. Why can't we tickle ourselves? 
Yeah, that's an interesting question. Maybe we don't want to be tickled. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> we need to, we don't need to defend ourselves. Tell ourselves. Would you rather cuddle with a baby panda or a baby penguin? A uh, panda, softer, you know, bigger. <laughs> it's it's funny. We were just talking about Kanye West. This question just popped up. Yeah. Do you respect Kanye West? I respect his music. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> um, how many hours of sleep do you need? Eight. S- ooh. Stale Sour Patch Kids or Fresh Circus Peanuts? Sour Patch. I'm not sure what these are, but I love sour candy, so I'm going to go with the sour patch. There you go. They're, they're like a... Um, like a ge- like a flavored gelatin with like sour dust on it. Oh, yeah. I love stuff, stuff like that. Yeah. Give, give me the sour one. Yeah. Um... Do you believe in love at first sight? Yeah, kind of. Kind of. <laughs> yes, I'll say yes. Yes. Uh, we'll do a couple more. Uh, how many cups of coffee do you drink per day? Uh, two to three. Man, when I'm teaching, like five. <laughs> sure. Uh, yeah. <laughs> It's uh, whenever people ask me, about, uh, you know, about teaching or whatever, and we get to the part of the conversation, like, yeah, I, I'm surprised to make it through a day of subbing without drinking coffee because I don't drink coffee. And they're like, what? How? How do you do yeah. it? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> uh, would you rather climb a mountain or jump from a plane? Oh, climb a mountain. Oh, Jump from a plane? Are you insane? I have severe like exactly uh, uh, fear of heights. Like I can barely look out a window. <laughs> yeah, I'm with you on that one. <laughs> well, what do you think would happen though when you get to the top top of the mountain? Well, I'm gonna still be on the ground, so okay, I'll be looking and be like, yeah, because I will not be falling. So sure, yeah, because it's yeah, because mountains are like uh, what's it called? Look, look at my arm. Look at what I'm doing. It's inclined. Like, it's like this. Yeah, the incline, yeah. The incline isn't like super steep, you know? That's fair. It's, it's a That's gradual fair. process. Uh, what's a country you'd be okay never visiting in your life? Uh, Australia. Uh, fucking spiders, dude. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. I've never, there's not a place in the world that I so badly do want to visit, but also I don't want to experience the spiders at all. Right? Right, that's how I feel about. I, I really, I actually want to visit Australia, but I'm just like, no, no. The fact that, like they, uh-huh. there might just be spiders in your toilet, just randomly. Yeah, and they're giant. Yeah, like, like, yeah, and they're giant. That's the thing. Like, it's not just like spiders; they're huge. Yeah. Um. Let's see. Oh man, these questions are not great. Oh, would you rather come face to face with a miniature hippopotamus or a giant cockroach? Both are in a bad mood. Uh, the hippopotamus. Is it the, the insect thing? Huh? Are you? Do you have a thing with like insects? Is that why you don't want to come face to face with a giant cockroach? Yeah, yeah, cockroaches aren't really a thing in Denmark. I don't think. Oh, the same okay. Way. My only experience with cockroaches have been like in uh, Lebanon or Egypt or like even Palestine. I've seen cockroaches. Yeah. I remember like being when we were in Lebanon visiting my uh, grandmother, may she rest in peace. Um, she 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 she, uh, she lived in the refugee camps. Uh, she was like she was so old, like she was one of the part of the Palestinian Exodus. Mm-hmm. So she lived in the refugee camp all her life, and like living there, like 
it's so densely packed. Yeah. And again, when you think refugee camps, you think like actual camps, no, no, they are like houses and such. And I just like remember like how many cockroaches there were there. Cause like the stuff called being like, like cleaning and stuff is pretty difficult. Like the streets and such, mm-hmm. but like, I just remember like walking, there was like this cockroach that was like climbing the wall next to me and flying over him. Like, what? Oh, <laughs> but yeah, I remember like when, when I visited the Middle East, I've seen cockroaches, and I remember being like, "Yeah, these these things are disgusting." But no, no cockroaches. Yeah, there. I think it's the climate. I don't know. Uh, last one: uh, if you could push a button and make everyone in the world seven percent happier, but it would also place a worldwide ban on all hair styling products, would you push it? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah! I'm bald. I don't care. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I don't care. Messy hair for everybody. I don't care. I'll be seven percent happier. Happy, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Is hair more important than happiness? <laughs> absolutely not. Um, Islam, thank you so much for joining me here on Dollar Size. It's thank been you a blast. so much for having me. Yeah, I love catching up with you. It's been too long. Um, yeah, it has. And, and I love you very much. Love you too, man. Uh, where if people, yeah, you know what. Before before we move yeah. on, we should definitely uh, we should definitely do like a D and D thing at one point. Again. Oh my god, I've been I'm itching to of, play. Because <laughs> like I know like I'm gonna be running like a one shot soon. But like some of our friends who haven't tried, like Hugo hasn't tried before, and so yeah. I'm gonna run a one shot. But uh, I'm gonna think it maybe like scratches some of the online people that I know want to play and have like an online only D and D. Yes, I would love and, that. Uh, run that, uh, and I'll DM that because I've been itching to do. That's, I have some ideas brewing for okay. the universe that I've created. I have some ideas Ooh. brewing that I want to test out. That's exciting. Yeah, I'm so yeah. down. Um, so we have it on the record. On the record. Absolutely. This is an invitation, an online invitation. Sweet. Um, if people want to follow you on the interwebs, where can they follow you? Well, as I said earlier, uh, at IDMI, and that's literally everywhere at Sweet. IDMI. Uh, you can catch me on Twitter. Uh, right now, my Twitter is basically just me informing people on the the, the going-ons in Palestine. Sometimes I allow myself to have, like, one bad gamer take, because I do love... I love having bad takes, not because I genuinely believe in them, because, like, my take with Mass Effect, I don't actually believe that. Yeah, sure. I just think... <laughs> yeah. So, I... I, I, I I'm a bit of a troll online sometimes, but mostly like uh, right now it's mostly Palestine stuff you'll see. Uh, I retweet a lot of people, especially people who are from the area. So if you're interested in seeing like the thoughts of people on the ground, they're in Sheikh Jarrah, in Gaza, in Ramallah, all these places. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like uh, mine is like a source almost. Nice. Uh, and on Twitch, uh, I stream uh, usually in the evenings my time, which is Around what time is it right now? Uh, two p.m. right now on the East Coast. Yeah, yeah. I like from twelve to two p.m. East Eastern time is usually where I go live, and I play like a variety of games. Like you never know what what I'm gonna play. The only thing that's for sure is Metal Tuesdays, where I play Metal Gear Solid Five. Sweet. I just got it on the PC for dirt cheap, so I've been playing through it again. Uh, I've missed two out of three Metal Tuesdays, but I promise it will happen eventually. <laughs> We will have Metal Tuesdays. Uh, so that's a whole thing. Awesome. Uh, that's like an inside joke right now with me that Metal <laughs> Tuesdays never 
yeah. So please go follow Islam on all those things. And as for us here at Six One Indie, follow us at Six One Indie on Twitter. Check out Six One Indie for all indie reviews and previews and whatnot. Uh, listen to Dollar Size at IndieCast on all podcast services wherever you listen. And uh, yeah, go ahead. Oh shit! I also forgot. Uh, I also have the podcast. Of oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm so tired. Yeah. So you can just go to anchor.fm slash I'm so tired. Just so like it. You just write it out. I'm so, uh, in so tired, if you will, because you can have the apostrophe. Sure. Uh, so anchor.fm slash I'm so tired. And uh, it will uh, link you to your favorite podcasting service. So if you use Spotify or Apple, whatever, we'll probably be there. Sweet. So yeah, go listen to that. Uh, Hugo is a delightful fellow. So if you... If you're like, hmm, I don't know about this Islam guy, <laughs> Hugo, delightful. Like everybody loves Hugo. Again, once you hear Hugo speak, you will you'll fall in. It, it, it's yeah. it's easy. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Stay safe. We love you very much, and we'll catch you next time. Bye bye. Sweet Islam, that was oh. fantastic. Thank you.